Emmanuel. Hi, Hello. CJ. Hi, how are you doing? It's really lovely to meet you. My name's Afia Hagen from the British Flatlist. And of course, we are talking about the incredible Riches, which is coming soon to ITV1. A really great series, totally binge worthy. I think that's what everybody needs to know from the jump. And rich black people on TV. I just that's... loved it. Absolutely loved it. CJ, there's a lot of politics in play when it comes to Flair and Glory. A lot. Uh, Break down some of that for us. Without Without too many spoilers. Oh, I'm trying to think. That's a challenge. Trying to spoil it. That is that is a That's tough a one. Challenge. I'm trying to spoil it. Ouch. I can actually take a stab at it. Oh, please, Go if on. you can. I take a stab at it. Please, please. So basically, we built this beautiful big empire, this beauty empire, and the ma- uh, patriarch of the family, who is assumed to be the person who started it, he dies, and so he leaves everyone kind of scrambling for their position because with him there everyone was secure everyone it was a well-oiled machine everyone's doing what they they're doing and no one has to worry about anything no money no nothing he dies and it kind of turns things completely upside down everyone is fighting for their lives that bleeds over into the politics the politics is everyone fighting for their lives with the exception i think of nina and simon because i think they come back and fight for different reasons but I think the ones who stayed, including Andre, I think they're all fighting for their lives. So that's how mm. I would explain the politics. It's well put. So couldn't have said it better. It's like a little bit succession and a little bit of dynasty with Hugh Quashi in there. Yeah, yeah, a lot of people. Mm, yeah. yeah, a lot yeah. of people compared to succession, which is a huge compliment. And so I'll put it to you first. What was it about the script of Riches that made you say, yes, 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 sign me up? I mean, what was there to say no to? Abby's writing was awesome, first of all. And then I just loved the character. Like, I did the um, audition with my mum, and it just felt natural, you know, just, just knowing the relationship between Gus and Claudia, his mum, and doing that audition with my mum and the fun we were able to have with it. And the script just lended itself to be able to have fun with. I was just like, this is something different to the things that I've auditioned for before as well. I thought I was like, this is going to be so cool. I ain't seen this in England before. It's just, there were so many reasons I said I, I wanted to be part of this and I'm, I'm grateful that I was. Deborah. I think the initial thing that attracted me to the script was the fact that Nina's story is so close to my own. Being born in London, moving to America and moving back. I don't know. I think for me, it was the first time I read a script that just hit home so much. I literally thought I knew Abby before I met her because it was just so on point. But that was the initial thing that attracted me to. And then also the representation, just beautiful, wealthy, fabulous Black people out of the UK. I was like sold. So that was that was it for me. And Emmanuel, what about you? I've not been so opportune to get scripts that are so multi-layered i've never played queer before this time as well actually and being a queer man that was something that i was excited to sort of step into but not just not another you you know monolith of, of a black person depicted that we've seen before you know it was nice to have layers being born in the uk raised in the states but being of nigerian ancestry meant 
we could bring some Yoruba culture in there. We could actually speak our language and not have it watered down, you know, having it sound as authentic as it should, costume. I think similar to Ola, what I saw on a page leapt out at me in such a way that I was like, yo, I got to do this show. (laughs) I was on another thing and we managed to like work out a deal so I could shoot this as well and I am so grateful and CJ same question to you what attracted you to the script of Riches I think it was again it was just Abby's writing and it was just so the moment you picked it up it's like you, you couldn't put it down because it was just filled with like so much drama and gloss and real juicy stories you know and it's something that we haven't what I haven't seen before in the UK. And and obviously, again, what Deborah said filled with like so much black greatness um, on, on this paper to, to watch it unfold. It was, yeah, it was, it was absolutely beautiful. So Deborah, you play Nina, who's the surprise heir to this empire. Tell me a bit about your character. She's significant to say the least pivotal in the series not too many spoilers yeah i'm like how do i okay she is <laughs> she's a boss she's badass she is yeah. leader just natural leader she's the eldest of the richard siblings and like you said or i think you said like she comes back to kind of take her place on the throne to be honest and like For her, she also has, beneath the surface, she has a longing for belonging. She doesn't really know where she belongs. And I think that that also fuels her her desire to come back. She's like so many women I know. I used a lot of inspiration from my older sister to play her. But yeah, she is just, she, I want to be like her when I grow up. (laughs) (laughs) I think I said that a couple of times also Yeah, I actually want to be like her when I grow up Like, (laughs) Um, Now CJ, you play Andre Um, You're definitely in the midst of all the politics Um, Tell us a little bit about that And also, tell me about some of your worst character traits (laughs) So yeah, Andre is always in the midst of something I don't know if he likes Or someone yeah. <laughs> or someone. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we'll just leave yeah. that there. Yeah, exactly. I wouldn't describe him as like, like first that he's a human being that has flaws. Not a hustler, but he has like a ghost spirit to always want to win, um, regardless of what side that's on. And I would definitely say he's book smart, but I street smart, I'm not too sure if I can say he's street smart. I guess some of the audience will probably think that he's a bit naive at times. Or maybe he's got blindsided. He's an interesting character. Just the way he carries himself so articulately, like he's he's amazing. But there are some other traits that are a bit, I would say, questionable for sure. Mm, questionable. He's ready for Diplomatic. We like that. Yeah. <laughs> I just want people to look at Andre not as a pretty boy, not as a stereotype, but just as a human being that is trying to do what he needs to do to to make the business what it is. Emmanuel, tell me a little bit about how your character Simon develops over the series. Okay, as we all already know, our father passes. Simon is somebody that's had a lot of therapy, is in a stable relationship with a man he loves. You know, they've got plans to take their relationship further and so on. Simon has this thriving business, which is centered around hair and cosmetics and beauty. When his father passes, 
Simon and Nina, they're invited back to say goodbye in their own way. And things spiral from that point in a way that's unexpected for them. Now that causes Simon to tread water somewhere he's unfamiliar with, stay close to his alliance, being his sister and his, his mother and his partner, but also figure out, are there new alliances here to be had? Are there people here to trust? What state is this company in? What role do I then play? What role can I not play because of how important my family is to me in the States? Simon kind of has this tricky task of what women have been doing for a million years, which is trying to juggle it all. Simon is only a man. He's only a man. <laughs> you know, he, he's trying to juggle it all. And I think he does it quite well without giving spoilers. Without giving spoilers. That's my answer. And I'm sticking to it. <laughs> <laughs> and all the same question to you. I'm not comparing him to Tony Stark in any way, but right? you know how Tony Stark goes from billionaire playboy philanthropist to superhero at the end, right? That's a way that I see Gus. Gus goes from not the billionaire, maybe millionaire playboy to being a guy where you're like, okay, he can actually do something. He's growing. Yes, he starts off as a spoiled kid and maybe he needs a little smack here and there, but we might need to take this guy seriously. And that's literally seeing someone grow. And mm. that's what I loved about the, the character of Gus. You, you get to see him grow from the first episode to the last episode. And hopefully, prayfully, there's a second season, you will get mm -hmm. to see him grow even more. Deborah, how does Nina differ from the beginning of the series to the end of the series? Because she does have to go through a lot and she certainly grows, doesn't she? Yeah, yeah. I think in the beginning, I think she's just going with the motions, but she has this longing for belonging, this kind of longing for a deeper purpose. And I think like a lot of people, she's achieved so much, but wondering like, what does this even matter? She's a bit lonely, to be honest. She has Simon, but still she, you know, Simon has someone. She's she's kind of alone. And I think that over the course of, of season one, you kind of see her find her space and her place in the world amongst people that you wouldn't even expect. She kind of forms bonds with people that you wouldn't expect through that she's kind of finding her footing in it and it shows through in her in the way that she dresses and the way that she does her hair and makeup just her taking up space you know because because she's so confident I don't think people would expect that she would have issues or challenges with I guess taking up space or confidence or insecurities uh, on any plane but she does she's human mm -hmm. And I think that's important to show because I think a lot of these like boss women, a lot of people assume that they're super women and that they have no vulnerabilities. They have no this and that. They've got it. They don't need anything. But actually, they need a lot. They need a lot of love and tenderness as well. And I think that's something that a lot of people will relate to, actually, you know, just because of the way you carry yourself or how you might be perceived doesn't mean that you don't have insecurities too. Right. Absolutely. Right. Tell me about the moment you got the job, Emmanuel. What was that like? The moment I got the job, actually, for me, probably would have been a lot more hype if my agent and, and sort of everybody communicating at that time wasn't under like a million piles of stress. This other oh, okay. thing I was doing was so consuming that I think, honestly, my agent was like, let me just give him this information. She was like, you know, it's a show. It's this. You're doing this. Yeah, you got the part, blah, blah, blah. I'm going to ring you later. <laughs> and... and I kind of, I kind of also sat with it myself and I said, rah, 
um, I get to depict this wealthy black queer man in this relationship that's non-problematic, non-toxic, that's out here like riding for his sister, has a great relationship with his mother, you know, isn't in the company to stir up trouble, but won't take no crap from nobody. You know, it was, for, for me, I think the moment more so hit that I was given the opportunity to breathe life into Simon when I watched the first screening at Culture mm -hmm. in New York. I sat at the back with Deborah and Abby and I watched it genuinely for the first time with these people, like let's all watch this thing together. And um, that for me was the moment when I realized we'd done something. That feeling can't be explained. It, it, it's just like, yeah, you, you did that. And Ola, how did you feel when you got the job? Tell me about the moment you found out. Oh man, I was on a train. So I was actually, oh, man, such a, such a, such a long prefix to the to the story, but I was actually waiting for I was waiting for a job after lockdown, right? Um, things were not going too great, and um, I I had another potential job, but I, like I really wanted this one, so I was on the train with my mom going to a screening of another job I had done before lockdown. It was being uh, shown. And um, I was sat, sat opposite my mom and I got the call from my agent two days earlier than I thought I was going to get the call. So I got the call from my agent. She was, she told me, told me everything. And I, I didn't want my mom to know just yet. Like I wanted to surprise her after I came off the phone. So I came off the phone, looked at her and I was like, mom, guess what? She goes, you got the job. I was like, ah, you kind of. Moms just your... know. We yeah, just know. Just know. We I, just know. Like, I was like, and. I couldn't really, con like, I had a lot of excitement, right? And I had to contain it because I couldn't tell anyone. So went to the screening, couldn't tell anyone when everyone was asking, so what are you doing next? I'm like, ah, you know, just, not you, know sure. you know, something, something's going to happen. Something's going to happen. And then I got back home and my mom and I just got on our knees and we just prayed. And we just, we were just filled with a lot of prayers and a lot of tears and just, um, because it, it was something I had been waiting for. And to be quite honest mm -hmm. with you, it still didn't really hit me until probably um, first day of rehearsals, right? When I walked into the room and I just saw like faces on the wall and I saw my face, I was like, oh, this is happening. And then a couple of faces after my face was Emmanuel's face ah! in drama school, right? And I was like, wait, hold on. That's Emmanuel. So I tried to text him and this guy changed his number like every month. So oh, it didn't go through. And I turned around <laughs> and who walks in? It's Emmanuel. I'm like, yo, this is happening. I know. Like, <laughs> this is awesome. You know, and um, yeah, I think I think that's when it kind of began to to sink in that we're about to do something here. You know. Mm. So mm. yeah, that was it. That was it. Also, I, I just love how your mum features in all your stories so far. Yes. So <laughs> she's, been to, she's trying to get little cameos here and there, trust me. Mom's I mean, when it. you said you did the audition tape with your mum, I was like, did they cast mum? I kind of want to, I want to see her in season two, like a rogue <laughs> character. Don't don't say it too loudly because she's going to hear you, man. She's going to hear you. To hear well, you got to bring she her in. Be, exactly. Bring her in. She's going to call me. Start sending like, some emails to I someone. my name. <laughs> yes. 
Yes, I heard I'm in season two and season three. Um, why was it so essential and so important to have a Black showrunner, Black creatives on this particular series? I'm going to put it to both of you, but Emmanuel, I'll put that question to you first. Well, I think when doing something that's never been done before, if a production company truly believes in the product and they want to create this product as authentically as they can. It's important to have the voices that reflect behind the camera to to be as close to or to have as much influence as what you have on paper, right? You want to depict this wealthy Afro-Caribbean family with all this nuance to it. I don't think you can shut out the voice of the Black female showrunner who wrote this part about these strong Black women. I think the world we live in there's a culture that's been normalized, right? And because it's been normalized and spread across the globe, pretty much every culture has a piece of that and they're able to depict that culture with with enough accuracy. However, with what we were trying to do, it's never been done in the UK. I don't think you could have done it half as successfully without having Abby in the seat as showrunner. When I watch other amazing shows by female showrunners, like Scandal, Having Shonda Rhimes in that seat to depict Kerry Washington in that way, I'm not sure a man or a white man or an Asian lady could have done that in the same way that Shonda Rhimes did. I think what Abby was trying to do is so nuanced. You know, Nina is not just an African-American woman by way of being born in the UK. She's Nigerian at the heart of that. And so many of those things stem from Abby's soul. So I think it was crucial for us to have her in that seat. I had an amazing time being directed by her to have the writer remind you like, you know, just before this has happened, that has happened. And you know, 10 years ago, this happened. So this moment is loaded with so much. It gives such a power dynasticism to your performance you know something you couldn't read into sometimes it, it's the things that were written there that that you need the the writer director showrunner to explain it to you and I'm so glad Greenacre gave Abby that seat because mm-hmm. not enough people like Abby have that seat and um, that's certainly going to change and influence the industry in a positive way and it's nice to have been part of that change yeah. yeah, absolutely. Seminal. And Ola, I'll put the same question to you, actually. Man, I don't know if I have much to add to what, what, <laughs> what Amanda just said. I just think, I think Abby's good, isn't she? Like, she she's good at what she does. And um, rather than rather than just having just anyone, it could have been another Black person, like another Black man or another Black woman to, to sit there. But it had to be Abby. It had to be Abby Ajayi. It's a story that's close to her heart. It's a story that she connects with. It, there will be a disconnect if if we did that without her. You know, so it, it had to be this. You know, those things where it just it just has to be a particular person. It had to be Manu playing Simon. It had to be Ola playing Gus. It had to be Deborah playing Nina. Mm-hmm. Just just had to be Abby Ajayi there with us, the writer, the director, being mm-hmm. on set and just 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 having conversations with us. It, 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 and it, it worked. We couldn't imagine it without her, you mm-hmm. know? So it was just perfect. It just worked. Yeah. 
And with a vast experience in the States, it made sense. Yeah, to transfer that here, absolutely. Um, Are there any memorable scenes that stand out? Any scenes where we were all together, especially the boardroom scenes, were just memorable because it was just so much fun. More fun than, personally, than I've ever had on a job to date. I mean, I'm surprised we got any work done, to be honest with you. Oh, for sure. (laughs) It didn't feel like work at all. Yeah, yeah, it didn't feel like work a lot of the times, you know. But those are the moments where we built our chemistry and where we built our connection and where it Mm -hmm. shows on screen, you know. So... Imagine you're writing season two, the pen's completely turned over to you. What would you like to see happen? (laughs) I want Nina (laughs) to get a little bit messier. Like I want her to have like a love triangle. Mm. (laughs) Or a love square. (laughs) Or an octagon. (laughs) The more the better. (laughs) I feel like um, she should live her best life. But I also want her to eventually like find love because I feel like, again, like the character is very lonely and I want her to find her person. Everyone in it seems to have their person or people except for her. And I would love to see her find her person after she's had the love. After she's, yeah, Mm, do the love octagon then settle down why not i think i want andre to settle down i think (laughs) to settle down and just have that one person um and literally just focus on the work and and be the best person at the job and not get distracted constantly and we cannot wait for season two i want to see your mum in it all if your mum's not in it quite frankly i'm not gonna watch it i've said what i've said I've said what I've said. Thank you so much. A pleasure to speak to you. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you.